0: Hello, Petruserati, I'm Jaz Galati, and welcome to this interference cast where we explore a non-clinical interruption. And this one is huge. This one is so big picture. There's a lot of clinical themes in here, but this is very much bigger picture life design stuff. What if you're in a scenario where you are really struggling in your workplace? Sometimes dentistry can be like super isolated, feel really lonely. It's just you and your nurse and it can get a little bit depressing, especially in the winter months, I find. So community and mentorship and the right culture. Oh my goodness the culture at your workplace, the nurse at your workplace, the relationship with your nurse or your DA is so so key. So these are all the themes that we cover with Dr. Sandy. So Sandy is his dentist who and you'll hear his story in the podcast, but he was not in the happiest of places. And so we discussed all about that and how he had to make a major change and move hundreds of miles away to be able to gain fulfillment from his career. And that's why I wish for everyone, I wish every Petruserati gains fulfillment from dentistry, because it's a truly wonderful profession. But guess what? Wonderful profession can be an absolute stinker if in the wrong environment or if in a toxic culture. So, in this episode, we're going to discuss all about that, how to recognize it, and what can you do? You have to just stand up for yourself. You have to be your biggest advocate. And I hope this episode inspires you to take some sort of change. If you are identifying with all the things that Sandy's saying today, I want you to stand up for yourself and make a change. It's never easy because comfort zones are, are very comfortable, they're very nice to be in, but growth never happens in comfort zones. So, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Sandy, and I'll catch you in the outro. Dr. Sandy Rupra, welcome to the Protrusive Journal podcast, my friend. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you, Jazz. How are you? Okay.
0: Thanks for having me on. Uh, very good, thanks. No, no, thanks for making time for this. Uh, we spoke a, a long while ago now. are very inspiring in the, the kind of things that you're telling me in terms of helping dentists finding where they want to be in a, in a more thriving environment, in a better environment, an environment where they can enjoy themselves. And it was from your own experiences of, of going through the lows that we can speak about how to attain the highs. So before we delve into your story, which involves a little bit of self-discovery, a little bit of reflection, we talk a a bit about litigation and how that can affect someone as well. Tell us about where you are right now, what you work, your little background would be really good to hear.
1: So I am an associate dentist. I'm working in the Northwest at the moment. I've been there for about a year. Uh, I originally qualified in 07 from Cardiff. I actually was a, a trained as a technician
0: first. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, okay. So, uh, cool. I did
1: that many moons ago, actually. actually. <laughs> Seems like a while.
0: Do you, do you uh, still make your own crowns? I, I know a buddy called Riz who um, actually makes his own, does his own lab work as well as being a dentist now. Do
1: you know what? If I had time, I would. I, I do do my own wax ups, actually. for you uh-huh. know, So I'd find it quite therapeutic, actually. But I started that in 98 in Manchester. And I finished in 2002. Took a year out and I worked in a prosthetic lab for a year. And you know, found that I had a bit of a passion for, for dentures and all things removable and mm-hmm. then I went on to Cardiff then to do dentistry so I finished that in '07. pretty much since then I wasn't comfortable going into practice straight away so I went on to do some hospital posts I worked there for two years in sort of or well, surgery, restorative, a bit of public health in there, um, and then two thousand and ten, I had my landing my first associate job in South Wales.
0: Can I just uh, check with you, Sandy because you're you're one of the first few people who said about the the dental public health, but I, I hear colleagues talking about it. What was that like? Is it just lots of reading and lots of signing things? Like, what what does that actually involve? just, I mean, just tell us briefly. What, what you know, uh, if you're working and you did a bit of work in dental public health, what do you actually do?
1: Uh, you know what? I can't ask that question. I don't I don't know what I did. <laughs> I don't actually know what I did for six months, you know. Uh, but, I worked <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, I can't even put it into words, actually. Just literally like putting things into place, you know, regulations. It was mostly a supervisory, you know, so I was under a supervisor at the time. And, you know, I mean, you're talking t- over 10 years ago now. Um, Was this
0: just you on a laptop and just like sorting things out and just uh, the whole whole pen pusher thing, but like a a keyboard
1: warrior kind of thing? Yeah, working through Excel, (laughs) you know, trying to work out the formulas on Excel, put things into into tabs, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. it wasn't the most, one of the most enjoyable. For me, personally, it wasn't the most uh, you know, enjoyable. Well, you come enjoy- from background, a
0: background of very hands-on, yeah. technical. So, so maybe for, for, for those colleagues who uh, decide that they don't like teeth and they don't like people, that maybe they
1: want to do dental public health, do you think? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> if if you, that's,
1: that, that's how you're built, then yeah, go for it. But, um, that's I- the beautiful thing about profession, right? You can go into those little avenues. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, those two years were really, really good. I mean, you know, they give me a little quite a bit of insight into into dentistry. I was coming out of VT, right, you know, you you don't really know a lot. So you're obviously trying to put your skills into place and working straight into practice then.
0: Uh, Sandy, one thing I just want to just follow up on that is dental public health, just touching on that again, and a few other things, uh, a few other subspecialties that and, and training posts that dentists do. Sometimes they do it because they are worried or afraid of going into practice. And I know many of my colleagues have been affected by this. Do you think, because you, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit that you, you weren't quite, you didn't feel like you were ready for practice just yet. Do you think that you might have done these posts at the beginning because you weren't quite ready for practice?
1: Absolutely. I think for me personally, I think confidence is a bit, it's a massive thing. And I think at the time, you know, I learned a lot from VT, you know, we are talking over 10, 12, 30, 40, many moons ago. But I think the essence of VT is to obviously learn as much as you can, but you've got to be in the right setting. You've got to be in the right place. You've got to have that infrastructure, you know, with your principal, your mentor to support you through all these things, you know, to, to develop yourself in your skill set, be competent, having out treatments. But for me personally, I wasn't at that stage with that, that, that point in my time, in my career where I felt that I was, I don't want to use the word good enough, but maybe, yeah, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe it's time. just how you felt yeah, at the just, time in yourself, yeah, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me personally, gave me a little bit more insight into treatment planning. Talking to the patient, your bedside manner—you know, just mm-hmm. little, little gems like that—to try and help you to sort of uh, move forwards with with the mm-hmm. uh, sort of working in general practice and dealing with patients on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis. I think that's really important. And I think you know, for me personally, that was probably one of the best things I'd, I'd, I've done. Mm-hmm. I do, I do think it's important.
0: And then when you started to work in practice, how did that go for you? And then uh, was it good from day one, or did it start off in shaky grounds? And how did that uh, evolve?
1: So I worked in a practice uh, in South Wales, mixed practice, and yeah, it was good in the beginning. Yeah, it was good. I had uh, you know a good twelve months there. However, as I found when I was working, you know, the treadmill started to kick in. You know, in terms of I know you have touched on on certain points in a podcast where you talked about the financial aspect of associates. You know, how much money is enough, and so I think you know as you start sort of working, you think, oh great, you know, I was in VT, I was earning thirty k, or now I'm an associate and I'm, I've doubled that or I've tripled that or whatever, you know. So it's, I think based on that, you know, you try, to, you try to, it's difficult because I think at the time, you know, the uda system as it is now, it's difficult to provide that level of care for patients. You know, you know when you're hitting that treadmill, you're seeing how many, 20, 30, 40 patients or whatever it is a, a day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to keep that consistency. Exhausting, Exhausting absolutely, stuff. Absolutely. Mentally, I mean, I, I,
0: physically backbreaking.
1: Absolutely. I must mean, I to come home absolutely shattered. You know, just Were you knackered. five days a
0: week, six days a week, or were you?
1: I was five days a week full time, yeah. absolutely knackered. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, a little bit of a turning point where the practice had a little bit of a change in infrastructure and dynamic changed where more of the responsibility was put onto my shoulders as the associate. So as I found I was doing more and more pressure and I almost forgot myself, you know, I almost forgot what kind of person I was because... I was so tired to think about what do I want to do or where do I want to go or what do I want to do? It just became so monotonous Mm -hmm. moving forwards and thinking each day was just boring, you know? Like for me personally, there was no joy you know it sounds a bit morbid saying that and a bit sad but you know it is mm. it is one of those things fortunately we have well, to-
0: well, well sandy you know you you mentioned already that you did the whole technician training and you you know very much hands-on and try and do things uh, as you were trained and how you enjoyed rural prosthetics and then to go to a public health and various posts that you did and then the pace jump into high volume dentistry, where now, you know, you say you do your wax ups. Now, you probably didn't have time to do your wax ups uh, yeah. before. And then you probably w- were this creative side of you. Am I right in saying that you, you felt lost that you were not be able to to express your creative side in dentistry?
1: Absolutely. I felt, I felt totally boxed in, you know, literally boxed in that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Uh, mm. I don't want to say couldn't, I'd, I wasn't able to because maybe I wasn't pushing myself to that point or I was saying, wasn't saying no, I can't do more, you know, and I think once you get into that trap, I think it's hard to break out of it because we all have these ideas of what we want to do, you know, sort of in our career, what kind of things that we're passionate about. Do I like bonding? Do I like ceramic work? Do I like prosthetics, you know, implant dentistry? But it's getting the traction to go out there and say, right, I'm going to go on a course now. I, know, I had no time to go on a course because I felt worried taking time off work. Am mm-hmm. I going to be able to catch up? Or am I going to be able to, you know, finish mm-hmm. my contract? And all these worries were going through my head, you know, in terms of back mm-hmm. then. And I think that's uh, Have you heard the of the uh,
0: an- analogy of the frog, that you know, the boiling frog? Have you heard of the analogy? no the story. So it's it's like frogs are really clever and or just adaptable biologically in the sense that if you put a frog in some hot water, it raises his body temperature so that it doesn't feel the effects of the hot water anymore. And then as you turn up the gas and you make the water hotter towards boiling, again, it adapts. Okay. And then eventually, when it gets to boiling point, and now the frog can't survive, it doesn't have the energy anymore to actually jump because it spent so much energy trying to adapt to the temperature, when it got to boiling point, it didn't have the energy to jump anymore. Yes. So a lot of my colleagues over the years have described these scenarios where they just felt exhausted, boxed in, trapped in, just like you said. And it reminds you of that f- frog analogy, frog story that you know, you, you're just exhausted and you don't have the energy to jump anymore. So it sounds like you did jump eventually. So tell us what events took place that made you realise, okay, you've got to now take massive action. Again, a theme I've spoken about before in an episode with Laura that I did, Laura Bailey, where she took massive action as a therapist to really take her bonding and composite veneers and stuff to the next level, which is really inspirational. So when did you end up taking massive action and how did that actually come to be? And what can we learn from that as people who may be listening now and thinking, whoa, Sandy is describing me?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you work Monday to Friday, and you do a heavy contract, something's going to slip okay so it's inevitable something is going Mm -hmm. to happen it's going to slip maybe you've missed something or misdiagnosed or you haven't written your notes or or something's going to happen because you can't keep that traction going so for me personally it was an issue I had you know because I I fell into that pot and it was a difficult time because you know I had to look back and reflect and say well look was it me or was I working too hard or yes I was working hard and I've obviously missed something you know, so we're really human, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, however, we have to be able to say no to a certain point. You know, that enough's enough. You know, I, I can't do any more. You know, you, you I've out of a stone. I, I can't, you can't squeeze me any more than I'm already squeezed, you know.
0: And so, became, so what made you put your foot down?
1: Well, I think for me personally, it became quite toxic where I was working. You know, so I think I had to remove myself from that environment. And that took a lot because, you know, I had rapport with the patients. I've been there for six years, you know. Financial
0: I did, security. I, I know you're working hard, but it, it, there is, a, you know, mortgages and stuff and you have security in, in a job that you've had for so long. And and to to do the, the big change and to jump ship is a huge risk financially.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and I think I had tied myself, you see, because when you work for somebody, your risk is mitigated by someone else. So when you're working for somebody, they are i'm not saying that every principal is like this there's some amazing principals out there who look after the associates and that is if you're in a position or in a space like that keep that you know and learn the best you can you know and keep moving forwards and keep growing but i fortunately was in an opposite position so i had to leave where i was because i had to make a decision to say look do i still want to be here or continue with this because it wasn't doing really good for me for mentally you know it was so passionate about my job you know I wanted to be a dentist since I was young you know we all have this drive and this passion and I think I lost that I almost forgot about how hard I used to think about dentistry all the time you know when I was younger thinking right I'm going to make it I'm going to do it and I think I almost lost that uh, drive and I almost had to go back to the beginning right back to the roots and I think well look when I left that practice I thought that was the pinnacle moment where I thought I came home and I literally broke down. I thought, you know what? Why is this happening to me? What? What is? What have I done wrong? I was lucky because my wife's a practice manager, so we could bounce off each other. You know, she was a big driving force into getting me back on track. And I think it's important to have a good support network. You know, at the time I was so lost and so isolated. You know, the fear of talking to colleagues as well. You know, you you. Mm -hmm. You want to ask someone for advice. stigmas
0: attached to it, right? People think, oh, he's not doing very well or uh, that kind of stuff. And that's why we see so many uh, anonymous posts nowadays on on Facebook, right? Because people are afraid to attach their their name. And I I totally get that, man. I totally get that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to me personally, I think I've, I've seen about three or four last week and I think it's heartbreaking somebody's, younger dent- dentists that working. work in, I think, you know what, I-, I can relate to this. You know, we can all pick up little points I think, you know, I was there or I-, I can understand where you're coming from. And you almost want to reach out to them and say, look, don't worry. There are always, there's things that you can do to come out of it and actually mm-hmm. make your situation better. So I think it's important to understand oneself. I think if you look back and you think, right, well, look, I need to change. How am I going to do that? So...
0: How did you do that? I yes. mean, you left, which is a, a huge step. And then you had the support network and your partner and stuff, which is amazing. But then where do you go for, from there? And then also we'll rewind a bit as well. How do you identify a toxic working culture? For, 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 for me, it's always been, for the most number one determinant for me has been my nurse actually, believe it or not. Like if I had a solid nurse, it makes a huge difference to your, to your career, to your daily uh, work. If you have a, a relationship with your nurse, which is got too much friction, or it's an attitude clash or a culture clash, that it, it has a huge impact. And that's just one person that yeah. right, can determine your day. So what kind of things that happened to you that led you to deem your workplace as, as, as toxic culture at the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go into a practice where you can sense that there's it's, it's just a bit toxic here, or, you know, whatever word you want to use, you know, it's not it doesn't feel right. You are going to find it quite hard to change that dynamic in that practice as a single person. If you've got standards and you've got a way of, of you know, treating your patients, you've got high standards and you want to carry out high-end treatment and whatever you want to do, it, it's hard to try and then push that forward to your, your colleagues or your team members. So that in itself isolates you. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't want to be going from job to job. We want to stay stable. But however, sometimes, you know, the biggest thing is is taking responsibility. I had a really good quote years ago, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, his uncle said to Mm -hmm. him, with great power comes responsibility. Yeah. But if you flip Mm -hmm. that, with great responsibility comes power. Now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I felt that I had to be responsible for everything that I do. So I had to be responsible for my destiny, my, my, my path or journey, you want to call it, you know? So I had to be responsible. You, you
0: are the captain of your ship. Absolutely.
1: So I had to make, make decisions which were hard, uncomfortable.
0: Do you mean like clinical decisions or like, just give us an example just of what you a, mean? Though.
1: Examples See things like I had to sit into sit a situation where look, do I stay or do I go? If it's an environment, which I'm mm. not comfortable with, I'm coming home mm. stressed. I'm coming home, you know, uh, mentally exhausted. Do I need to take myself out of that space and go somewhere else? You know, mm-hmm. I might take a pay cut. I might take, I'll start from the beginning again. Those things are hard, right? You know, being comfortable is easy, isn't it? But being uncomfortable mm-hmm. is something which is difficult. And I think that's where we have to dissect it and say, look, what do I want to achieve? Look at the long game, look at what do I want to achieve? What do I want to do mm-hmm. in moving forwards? Mm-hmm. What things do I like? And that wasn't for me. So I had to move. I mean, I had, I was out of work for a good four months. You know, mm-hmm. when I left that practice, I had no opportunity whatsoever. You know, I had to, you know, come home, I literally do nothing. It was hard. It was difficult.
0: Did you feel like as the months were going by that you, you, you felt, did you explore other career options? Just just, uh, just asking, you know, did you wonder? Did you, did you think about it?
1: Absolutely. Those thoughts crept into my mind pretty much every day. But then something was overpowering me. You know, something was telling me no. Subconsciously, something was saying to me, no, just stick it up, hang in there, mm. and you know, things will get better. And I kept telling myself that every day. And eventually, I made the bold move to move. I, I just moved and I, I relocated and up to the northwest. And I started again. It was almost for me, Jazz. It was like going back to VT, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, starting afresh. And that journey for me was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. if that never, yeah, if that never happened to me, I, th- I don't think I'll be thinking the way that I have been. You know, in terms of you're, ma- you're in a
0: much better, better place now and it's because you took that massive action. Now, here, here's an interesting question. Did you wait for the right job to come up and then decide to relocate or did you, because I'm just thinking that there might be someone listening who's in your similar scenario. And then did you decide, okay, uh, put your finger on the map. Okay, I want to move here and then look for jobs there. How did you do it?
1: I had a, a good opportunity. I had a friend who had a practice who offered me a job, essentially. That's how, my, my, how it snowballed into... You know, in South Wales, I knew a lot of people, you know, in terms of dentists, clinicians and nurses and, you know, just, it's a small area, right? So in the Northwest, I had nobody, you know, in terms of my networking was pretty much zilch, zero. Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, I had to develop myself. See, I wasn't a very confident person, you know? So when you're not confident, you don't feel that you can execute certain decisions and you're always trying to find problems Mm -hmm. rather than solutions.
0: So you, prob- you, you doubt yourself, don't Absolutely. you?
1: Absolutely. It's always second guessing. Always, oh, is that good? Or, you know, my wife tells me all the time, don't, you know, you've got to think differently. So my wiring now is a lot different. And I feel better mm-hmm. without knowing it. I know it sounds silly, but subconsciously mm-hmm. I feel better. But I think for dentists who are in a position where they're not in a, in a good environment, sometimes it's hard to say to somebody to go and get another job. Just go and find mm-hmm. somewhere else you know it's it's easy to easy to say that to somebody but it's quite hard to execute and actually do you've got to have
0: to actually to do that to actually do the action Implementation and listen and heed that advice and actually do something is, is the main reason and I, and and I come you know from a position of someone who's worked in the NHS and I still have a, a, a contract where I, where, I, where I see children in the NHS and I think is great what NHS dentists can, can do and dentist hall actually you know, NHS dentist is a wrong term dentists who serve the contract but a lot of our colleagues yeah they're happy in mixed contract and they love it and they're doing they get to have their fun as well but there are those dentists who are on this treadmill exhausted and whatnot and for them this it's a security. Blanket. It, and it's too difficult to actually give up that contract and face the consequences of, of leaving that behind.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you know, in terms of my associate's point of view and the principal's point of view, there's two different viewpoints there, you see. So I think it's very difficult because I think you need to be in a position where you always are having to map out what you want to do. You know, I'm constantly mapping out things. You know, in terms of what I want to do, and I plan my my journey because I think I had I had to. I had no choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to leave the profession. Being on that treadmill is difficult. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you got to just look back at it. Look, if I'm on this treadmill, fine. As long as I can isolate certain things in in my career and say, look, well, look, I'm working nine to five. I'm doing my UDAs. I've got a bit of private in there. What kind of private work do I like doing? I like the bonding. I like ceramics. I like you know implant dentistry try to map out your journey into into that and try to you know network with people that are going to help you support you because without support it's it's difficult you know you've got to knock on the right Mm -hmm. doors as well you know you've got to be able to contact people who you who think well look you know i i I can learn from this person Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to do that even if it's asking for help you know even if you need to to help i used to i mean i've phoned up Contacting lots of dentists, ask for help. You know, and sometimes you don't get a response. That's fine. You know, you don't. That's okay. That's fine. You know, it's not an issue. You 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 just keep going, keep going, and keep moving forwards. I had one dentist a couple of weeks ago ask me about some advice, and you know, it was nice to be asked rather than the asky, You know, Mm -hmm. you know, uh it was really nice to be asked. And I and you know, it's it's one of those things. I think things happen, jazz. You know, this is life, right? Uh-huh. And I think when it comes to our careers, you know, there are going to be external factors which affect that, you know, but I think in terms of mm-hmm. career development and moving forwards, mm-hmm. we need to be able to, I always keep saying this, but come back to self, you know, what responsibility have I taken to action certain things that are going to help improve me mentally, reduce the stress, mm-hmm. you're never going to get rid of stress completely, but you can mitigate the risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's important to be able to have that a strategy in place. You need to have a plan in place and then try and execute it, which is what I've done the last two years. So,
0: so your, your plan essentially was, because I'm thinking already thinking about how to title this episode and it's how to recognize a toxic working culture and how to take massive action or something like that, basically, right? So I'm thinking, let's make it really tangible. You recognized it. You you felt the effects of it. It was, it was laying heavy on you. And then you took massive action, which is a huge step and very difficult. So kudos to you to do that you got a little bit of luck, but I don't believe in that. I always think you make your own luck. You had that network and then you, you took a big plunge. You took a huge risk moved to a, a brand new place where you didn't have a network, didn't know anyone, except this, obviously, there's friend who owns a practice and you went for it. And so tell me now how that's worked out, what kind of a working environment it is and how it's different to what you were before and what's going well for you and what you'd like to pass on to those listening.
1: Well, I'm in a mixed practice right now in Northwest and it's going really well. I'm really happy. I'm in a good place got a lovely profile of patients. I started to then look at different courses. What kind of things do I like doing? What kind of, what's my interest? What was I thinking back then? And I couldn't actually remember what I liked doing back then, you know, 10 years ago, you know, six, seven years ago. And I started thinking, I'm thinking, well, look, I like a bit of bonding, I like ceramics. And I started to think, look, this journey is going to be quite a long journey. It's not going to happen quick. You're not going to happen overnight. You need to graft in. You need to, you know, sort of sit down and actually plan out what you're going to do. So I decided to go on 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 a restorative course, over with Dominic Castle in Birmingham. So I think, you know, after I did that, I, I learned so much from that course. And, you know, I'm going to implant dentistry now. I'm doing a bit of bonding. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm
0: actually... Lovely. I'm actually, and you, uh, But more importantly, you, you, you learn all that stuff, but you were in an environment, correct me if I'm wrong, you were in an environment where you could implement. Absolutely. You have to be
1: in a position where you're going to spend money on courses. You're going to spend your time and effort, you know, learning. If you can't execute those treatments or you can't, you know, every patient base where, you know, you can do your bonding or you can do your ceramic work or you can, Mm -hmm. it's it's not going to work. You need to, if you want to be, if you're in a position where you're not happy in your work and you want to move forwards you Mm -hmm. and you know, you have to do that. You have to almost cut it off and move forwards. I know it sounds quite harsh to think like that, but I think Mm -hmm. I had to tell myself that I had to do that. And right now, Mm -hmm. what I taught myself back then, I told myself back then, I'm glad I did because right now things are working the way that i wanted them to work because i've put mm-hmm. the systems in place to do that but it's so hard to get the first initial momentum that first step is the most difficult part you know it, it's mm-hmm. so difficult mm-hmm. but i think you need to keep the faith that things are going to get better whatever it is you know whatever issue it is if it's litigation if it's toxic environment if you don't love your job you know you, mm-hmm. you just come home and you're stressed try and find something that, you know, try and map everything out, you know, get a piece of paper, map out things where you think, look-
0: And and don't be afraid to try things, right? Because uh, you know, the famous quote, as I say all the time, you have, sometimes you have to kiss many frogs before you find your Prince Charming, you know, it may not go right. You know, imagine you relocated and things didn't work out for whatever reason. And then you just have to have that commitment and uh, determination to do it again until you find where you are able to live your best life, work life balance, and try and practice dentistry that you you want to. And just on, on that note, here's an interesting question. Are you taking photos, clinical photos at the moment? Right.
1: So this is one thing that I wanted to learn about photography, okay? okay. Now, what uh-huh. I do is, without fail, I take two photographs minimum every day because I wanted to learn I mean, about photography. So I spent about yeah. six months going through a camera, settings, lighting. I could have gone on a course, absolutely. Absolutely, I could have gone on a course and had it done for me and then gone into practice the next day and it's done. But I wanted to learn for myself. I wanted to have a photography that was set for, for me personally. You know, I wanted to have yeah. a, a picture that was my identity in terms of, I know it sounds, but in terms of mm-hmm, my style mm-hmm. of photography and it's amazing photography yep. courses out there. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, you can tell when someone's been on a course because of the photography they've done. Yeah. So I think it's great. Yeah, 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 for sure. My photography, you know, I, I had to learn. It took me six months, but now I've, I've not said i perfected it, but I'm more confident. This is an example of something which, you know, just to show that, Sometimes putting the effort in and learning it takes time but when you get there you're it's it's great. I mean photography is fantastic.
0: But, but Sandy in in your previous working environment uh, am I right in saying that you weren't taking photos right? Absolutely not. Okay so here's my opinion I truly believe that dentists who take photos are happier dentists. Okay let me no, no, let me explain why I think this okay. A you get to document your growth And when you look back, you think, wow, I've grown, I've grown, I've grown. And you you don't know you've grown unless you're taking photos, in my opinion, and you documented it. B, you get to have the opportunity to fall in love with the detail. If you fall in love with the little details, you enter the flow state, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. And, and I know it in myself. Like The days where I'm just so busy and stressed that I think, you know what? If I just pick up a camera now, my nurse will lose her shit uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we're already running late. And those days, I don't enjoy as much. But those dates, like it literally there's a correlation between the number of photos I took that day number of occlusal shots and quadrant shots I took that day. And my happiness as a dentist, I I guarantee it. And I know lots of dentists who, who feel the same way. So if anyone's listening, and you feel stuck clinically, I guarantee it, if you start taking the time and energy to take the photos... Not only will you grow, it's the fastest way to grow, right? And if you want to grow even faster, you start sharing those photos photos to your colleagues, and that will make you really grow faster. That'll make your preps instantly preps instantly improved. And, and I just find that it's a great way to just enjoy dentistry again. Imagine going throughout your whole career, Sandy, yeah. without taking any photos oh of the of the work that you put in people's mouth. Can you imagine? I, don't want to think,
1: I mean what you just said there, I will give you an example. Last week, yeah, last week, I left my camera on, okay, in the bag. So when I took it out the next day, you Dead. Completely dead. I was so upset the whole day. I "I haven't got a spare battery. My charger's at home. I can't take any photographs today. My nurse probably thought, oh, thank God, Mm. you know, but I I, I think you absolutely (laughs) hit the the spot. Photography for me is a, is essential kit. Essential Mm. for me Mm -hmm. to, to, to do, you know, when I'm in work.
0: And even if you don't want to post on Instagram, it doesn't matter. Stop, you know, we don't need to compare and stuff. It's more for your own growth, your own journey. And like I said, just fall in love with, with something. Even if, though if you don't like your preps, or whatever. I, I still hate my preps. And I look at them, people like them and stuff, but I don't like, you know, how you're always critical of your own work, right? Uh, but I, I like to, to document and it just gives you another focus. And, you know, the thing, this thing I love, clinical dentistry, this is the the byproduct. This is the proof. This is the, the evidence that I'll look back on one day. You know, people look at photos of their kids and stuff growing up. I like to look at my yeah. preps from six years ago think, yeah, you know what i got i nailed that margin yeah. I'm, I'm improving yeah.
1: you know? i mean it's, it's i think it's great i think it, you're definitely right it's definitely a confidence builder i think it definitely helps to improve yourself and i think it's something to focus on as well
0: focus very you, true you
1: need to have that, that that sweet spot you know you come into mm-hmm. where you think like the camera's out my camera is set first thing my routine is in the ac on uniform my brew's ready camera on the bracket and we're good to go you yes. know take a shot put it up on the screen and sometimes i'm staring at the screen i'm thinking oh this is, it looks great this looks great and the patient's sitting you know you think i love it you know i think maybe yeah. a bit too much but you know i think i don't think anything wrong with that and, <laughs> but yeah i think nothing wrong with no, that Tom, i think it's i think it's great i think you know when i say critical learning from a I say look how can i have improved that you know i constantly look at things when i'm you know if i've seen a patient six months ago in a filling or I did a crown how could i have improved that what could i have done i never had that before I never had that, that thought process before, you know, and I think it's definitely changed me subconsciously. I just do it without thinking about it. You know, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you feel about, you know, in terms of looking at social media now, in terms of how that's completely blown, you know, I've blown up in dentistry mm-hmm. right now.
0: Well, I think social media is is, is a good one in the sense that I think, I I truly believe there's never been a better time to be a dentist because you get exposed to so much, like before the only way you could get exposure to something is you actually have to go travel thousands of miles to go on courses or to observe someone over the shoulder or get textbooks and then only get half the story. Now people are posting, you know, videos and even YouTube, man, I learned learned wisdom teeth surgery initially through YouTube, believe it or not. And it's it's the truth, right? People learn from like videos and, and, and images and whatnot. So that's the beautiful side of dentistry, right? It's made the dental world smaller, and it's made the access to information and sharing of knowledge is great. So, so younger dentists now at a younger age are, are able to upskill and, and, and get access to this information that you had previously very difficult to find. But the dark side of social media is comparing yourself to others and feeling like you're inadequate and, and that kind of stuff. So it's really, really important to, to never do that and always just compare yourself to where you were a few years ago. And it's nice to be inspired it's beautiful to be inspired by other people's work. But don't let that be like, Oh, man, that work that patient's doing that dentist doing so much of this work, and I like it and my own work doesn't look like that Well, map the journey to how you're gonna get your uh, work to look like that DM that person. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's, that's pretty much what I, you know, had a there's always pros and cons. Social media is great. I can network with somebody over in Australia, if I wanted to and do a course online, from the comfort of my own home. You know, I, I can do a crown prep with, you know, for example, right global, they're doing courses where it's online, you know, That's all great, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. I can find somebody across the the world, you know, and and talk to them like I am with you now. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think where it comes to the validation, that's where I have, you know, uh, a bit of an issue with, in terms of, you know, I don't want dentists to feel like, well, look, I'm validated by this six-inch screen that I'm seeing a photograph of brilliant composite bonding or a brilliant crown Mm -hmm. prep or, you know, yes, it's great. How, like you said, how do we get to that point where we could emulate this this Treatment or this bonding or crown prep, whatever it is, learning is is great.
0: But that sh- that that shouldn't be our no. measure, right? That shouldn't be our measure. Our north star should be happiness. Absolutely. That's it in our in our lives, and also how we make our patients yeah. feel ultimately happy and and, and pain free. And and those two should be the primary measures. Now, yes, your followers and your quality of your work that's good because not so much the followers, more about the quality of your work. If you can improve that, that gives you a focus, just like we spoke about earlier. That's wonderful. But your north star should always be. Happy. Happiness, 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 and if you could just work on that—if you just work on your own happiness—you'll have a great. Absolutely, career.
1: you have to work on self. That come, you know, you are feeling good about yourself. You feel confident. That's going to shine through, right? When you're going to your surgery, mm-hmm. the work you mm-hmm. see your patients. Ultimately, Jazz, if a patient is happy with what work you provided for them, if they're happy with your bonding, okay, and you post that on, on on social media, and you don't get much of a response from it, and you think that I haven't had a response from there because it must not be good. But is the patient happy? Does it matter? In the grand scheme of things, who are you trying to get validation off? Your colleagues or your mm-hmm. patient? I, I just find it difficult. I mean, obviously, I'm on social media myself, so I, I think I'm still trying to get to grips with how these things are and trying to find my sweet spot in terms of how i want to sort of be portrayed on social media in terms of my patients or they can have a look at my page and say look this is what he kind of Mm. of work that he does and get an example of it Mm. but i think there's some Mm -hmm. amazing dentists out there who do some amazing work like yourself you know so i think you know we just have to kind of sort of uh, work with these people and just try to say look look, i'm going to learn from this these group of people and try to not worry about what happening around here you know and just try to focus Mm -hmm. on that
0: Just another word on social media is nowadays, social media and people's Instagrams and whatnot and Facebook profiles, it's almost becoming like a portfolio of their work. And- I know some dentists as associates have been hired and actually Absolutely. been headhunted uh, via their social media. That like, you know what your work may not have all these bounces and beautiful photography, but I see that you're very consistent and uh, I like the fact that you use rubber dam or whatever. Are you looking for a job? And I, this happened to loads of colleagues. So if anything, if you just post up your work, even if you feel as though you, you have something to learn and post some reflections, that's a great way to post reflections. It's essentially growing this community of dentists online, whereby you're critiquing each other in a good way and. Helping improving each other's workflows and protocols. So there's a lot to learn from social media. If you use it as a portfolio as a young dentist, I think there's I mean, nothing. I it's wrong a digital
1: CV right there in front of you. You know, literally here's my here's my page. You don't always, always have to give a CV these days. You just say, right, well, here's my here's my handle, here's mm-hmm. my social media handle. Go ahead, have a look at my work. <laughs> you know, I think it's I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love yeah. seeing you know dentists who, you know, you look at a post and you think right, this dentist's been active for four or five years, but you look at the first post and then you look at the what. Yes. I love that journey. That is a I love that as well.
0: It's one of my advice, just go yeah. back and look at the, the first few photos. They weren't as epic as they are now, but you see the growth yeah. and you got you got to give love to Absolutely. the growth. Well, I
1: think it's fantastic. I mean, you see the photography wasn't great, but now it's like, you know, it's, see, that's the journey. You know, there's going to be peaks mm-hmm. and troughs along the way but you just got to try to be the best version of yourself and just try to move forwards with the times, you know, mm. and move forwards, keep keep mm. pushing forwards.
0: Sandy, how how difficult was that though? Thinking forwards and thinking positive is, many dentists have had litigation experience or whatnot. I know we spoke about it briefly as well. What advice could you give to someone who may be going through a complaint or having an issue and and that itself, imagine your working environment is good. Imagine you're working in an environment which is not, not toxic, it's quite the opposite, it's quite good. But even just having a complaint over your head that can really turn your life upside down, I, I believe. So, what advice could you give to someone who, who may be uh, going through this tough I mean, passion?
1: oh, God. I mean, having the complaint is awful. I mean, I think, I just think it's, it's, it just ruins everything, doesn't it? I mean, we've all been there when a the patient's not happy, the letter comes through the post, and you think, oh, this is it. I think, first thing, not to panic. You know, I think if you're in a good place and you've got good people around you, seek advice, you know, speak to your principal, your colleagues. I think there's a point where you're speaking to too many people and you're obviously getting advice from various angles, which sometimes can give you a situation. I remember. Too yeah, many chefs. Absolutely. I think you need to obviously first things first, your indemnity, speak to them. But also I think sometimes the things you can't change, you look back and reflect and say, look, how did this happen? What happened? What could I have done better? Or what could I have changed? Or if I didn't do anything wrong, keep telling yourself that. You know, because I think the worry is you always think the worst, right? You always think, oh, this is going to happen, or I didn't, maybe I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Or, but I think it's important to to look back and reflect. But I think most important thing is is to talk to people, get the support that you that's going to help you push forward. through th- an action of a complaint. I just find it heartbreaking sometimes when you know you have these complaints put through, and you think I didn't do anything wrong. Why is the compl- patient complaining about me? Mm. Sometimes these mm-hmm. things happen, and I think we just have to brush that off and say, "Look, it isn't me." I did everything right. I, I had a situation where a colleague had treated at upper right five and root filled the tooth. Okay, that root filling mm-hmm. failed, so I'll okay. gave the patient the options, and I saw the patient then a year about a year later, and I took the tooth out. We gave him all the options: re mm-hmm. treatment. The patient didn't want that, and then we looked at a situation where the patient was spoiling the options: denture, bridge, or implant. Or whatever. Patient decided to go for a, a resin retained bridge. So we provided them with a resin retained bridge. Mm-hmm. And to cut a long story short, the patient put a complaint in and said, I want you to provide me with an implant. Okay. On the on ground, ground basically, uh, this bridge has failed, it's come off. So the bridge kept okay. debonding. So look back and said, Well, mm-hmm. why is it debonding? Is it the occlusion? What's ha- what's going on here? This was about ten years ago. Now, at that yeah. time, I thought to myself, Is it did I do anything wrong? Or what's happened? I mean the complaint, nothing came of it. But just the action of a patient saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to complain, that caused the nervousness mm-hmm. in your belly. You think, oh, well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. S- sleepless nights and, and doubting yourself yeah. and the cascade of events that. that I mean, it's was completely It
1: was just literally nothing happened. But just, I'm just trying to explain that just having someone even say, I'm going to complain or I want your email address. or I want the practice air uh, just complaints policy.
0: GDC number. These things are, you know,
1: are, you know yeah. I don't know. It just really has a, a negative effect on you, you know, in terms of your whole day is just your whole week. And you,
0: do, do you, do you look back now? Obviously, now that that was settled, but like in the sense that it, it, nothing came of it. But when you look back now, if you could tell your former self some advice, it sounds like you'd say. Why are you panicking and worrying about something that's most likely not going to turn into anything? Obviously, you catastrophize, you think of the worst, and you spend all that time worrying. You know, worrying does nothing except steal the piece yeah, of I mean, today. I, right?
1: would, I, would, I would be more confident now thinking, well, look, do you know what? My notes are rock solid. I've given the patient all the mm-hmm. options. I've discussed with them, yep. warned them of the risks, mm-hmm. and they've consented to this treatment. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lose sleep yep. over it. And that, that's yeah. my mentality now. If I've done something which I think, you know, okay, I've missed that or I could have explained this or I didn't, I didn't put that in my notes or records mm-hmm. or fair enough. Yep. But mm-hmm. I don't feel, I don't lose sleep yep. over it. And that that took me a long time to be in a position to be able to do that.
0: And, and then Sandy, it's about not owning the, I mean, I say this all the time, it's like a broken record, but about not owning the patient's problem. Yes. So recognising that, hey, this is your problem. The patient is your problem. Here are the options. Here's how much that one costs. What would you like to do? And if they ask a recommendation, you can give a recommendation because you're allowed to give a recommendation based on what you think is clinically the most appropriate option. But they can choose the other options that exist. And these are all the suitable options. But then essentially it's over to you. And then as long as your notes reflect that, it just makes you a much more peaceful sort of position in yourself that, yeah, you've done what you can. And now it's up to the patient is, you know, you don't need to dwell on this any further.
1: It's difficult because I think sometimes, you know, as human beings, we do have this sense of, you know, feeling like this when something doesn't go right. You know, you almost want to be sort of cold to it, but my treatment planning is better now. The last few years than it was then because I was I'm confident in what I'm telling the patient, and that's come yeah, from courses, right? And you think, myself feeling and having confidence in yourself. It all comes back down to self, and my treatment planning is better, you know, right now because that in that way I'm locked stock. There is minimal risk of a patient saying, "Well, look, you didn't tell me that." I mean, I've got a sheet up on a magic sheet up on my wall with a marker, and I'm, I'm talking to the patient while I'm telling them exactly what's, what's happening, with what's the pros and cons, you know, what are the alternatives, you know, explaining in, in, in a diagrammatic form in terms of what a root canal is. So, so they walk out with all the information they need, but that comes with me feeling confident about what I'm saying also to the patient and relaying that forwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I could talk to you about root canals all day, mm-hmm. you know, but does the patient understand, you know? So I think it's important mm-hmm. in that sense but it all, it all comes back down to everything that we're discussing everything that we discuss it all comes back down to self you need to have that confidence and that takes time to it's not going to come overnight it takes time to build and treatment planning from mm-hmm. going on these courses is really important you know start from the basics start from right from the beginning learn the foundations mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. i said i don't feel like i'm doing a second vt right now you know in terms of last three years you know, and it's, it's great. It's, fa- it's yeah. fantastic. But I think we'll it's see, working, see it. it's working
0: fine. It's good to see you smile as you say that it's good to see you, you got your oh, mojo yeah. back in dentistry, you're, you're doing you're being more creative. And I think if I was to summarize this, this episode so far, is recognize that toxic environment, have the courage, and, and try and find the courage and support network to, to jump ship, don't be the boiling frog, jump ship, be the captain of your own ship, mm-hmm. invest in yourself in your mental health and your physical health and on courses and knowledge, because ultimately that is you and that'll give you more confidence and the patients can smell that. I know they can smell that. Take more photos and enjoy your dentistry again. Is there anything else you want to add, Sandy, as as part of this, hopefully a feel good episode with a happy ending and just sharing struggles uh, with those dentists? Because I know loads will resonate with what we're saying today. And it's a shame, but I'm hoping if even just one dentist will say, you know what, I'm that boiling frog today. And this episode has given me the courage and the conviction to take massive action. Then I Absolutely. think we've we'll succeeded. I you? think,
1: you know, I couldn't agree with you more there, Jazz. I mean, those points were clear, concise uh, to the point. I think, you know, you need to come back and reflect, uh, reflect on everything that you do. You know, always constantly think about what I'm doing, why am I doing it, how am going to do it? You know, mind map everything, you know, write down things that you think even think go right or just overanalyze, you know. Self-analysis is important. You know, I think it's really, really important. Recognize solutions rather than problems. How am I going to mm-hmm. get out of a difficult spot? What do I need to do to get... Don't look at mm-hmm. problems and automatically your brain would just be rewired and your subconsciously, you won't even think about the problem. You think about, if you said to me, mm. we have a problem right now, is it, we've got a bit of an issue. Right, what are we going to do, Jazz? Let's put some points and let's find a solution. Automatically, that uh-huh. comes. That comes. Uh-huh. But you've got to train your mind to be able to do that. And it's difficult to try. You uh-huh. know, I've heard lots of dentists over the years talk about things like this. And I think to myself, yeah, but how am I going to do that? How, you know, when you're in a difficult position, when I was in a difficult, difficult spot in dark times, I think, oh, how am I going to do this? What, what am I going to do? But I think you, we need to firstly mm-hmm. recognize there's a problem, yeah, and then find the solution and then say, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to mm-hmm. stick to it. Most important thing for me, my biggest advice would be to keep knocking on the doors. Keep approaching people, ask for help. That's really, really important. And if you get knocked on 10 doors and nine close the door on you, one opens, it doesn't matter. It's fine. There's be someone out there that's mm-hmm. going to help you to guide you mm-hmm. through certain things, give you advice where you need it. I mean, your podcasts, there's support groups out there that can help, you know, my door is always open. I think it's really important. I, I, I do feel saddened the dentists feel like that, you know, I think it's, you almost, you almost want to reach out to them and yeah. say, look, don't worry, man. It'd be fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: you want to give him a shake and a yeah. hug and be like, it's going to be, be okay. Right. We can you know? do this. I, I
1: think it's important <laughs> I think these are the people that are going to be, you know, yeah. these are our colleagues, you know, we got to stick together and yeah. try ride to ride the storm together and help each other, not trying to put each other under the
0: bus. You know, some people who ski and they go super, super fast, right? And then they're going around these trees and stuff, right? Um, Imagine that all they were thinking about was don't hit the trees, don't hit the trees, don't hit the trees. They would be just seeing the trees and hit the trees. But instead, what they do is follow the snow, follow the snow, follow the snow. And then that's how they succeed. So the, the lesson there, just as you said, is if there are problems in your life, start finding the solutions. Don't just moan and dwell on the problems. So I'm glad we we ended it on that because it's, it's, it's a good sort of summary of, of, of everything we talked about, but you know, now it's time to find the solutions and, and maybe DM someone today, email someone today, build that network, strengthen that network that you have. So Sandy, thanks so much for an inspirational episode today. Really appreciate you sharing your journey because I'll just be very blunt, Sandy, right? The podcast, what it's become, I love I love this podcast. Love, I'm very passionate yeah. about Protrusive and the fun we have and how much I'm learning and how much people are learning from the podcast. But let's not forget that most people that come on the podcast, they have something to share, which is amazing. They can help us in, in practice and they're doing it for free, which is amazing. But also they you know, generate revenue for their courses and stuff and you know, come along to my course and, and that's cool. And, and that's, yeah. that's how it grows and that's fine. You've come on today. You have nothing to sell my friend, right? You have nothing to sell me. Okay. You've come because you called me and you said, "Jazz, you know what? I feel this way and I've been through this and I want to help other dentists. Can we have a chat? And I said, yes, absolutely. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and from the Petruserati for just being that dentist that represents so many of us today and to show us your journey and show us your vulnerabilities. And no, it's been my
1: pleasure, to be honest with you. I'm just glad that you've given me this platform to be able to share that with you. I, mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm at that stage now where I'm confident to say what things haven't gone right. And, you know, I think, you know, it's important. And like I said, my door is always open to anyone who wants to talk or anyone who wants to share anything or any advices. I'm not an expert, but I've been through those experiences. I've been through those feelings those emotions. So I think it's important to to reach out. Definitely, definitely, definitely reach out. You know, to mm-hmm. anyone that you think that be able to help you and guide you through.
0: If someone wants to just give you a, a virtual hug, a high five, or an email or a DM, what's the then best way for them to contact me? On you? My
1: email on sandeep.rupra@gmail.com, or you can holler at me on the, the old Instagram, you know, or Facebook. My what's handle your, is Doctor what's, Sandeep what's Rupra. Yeah. Or so one you can idea. you can shout me out there. Yeah, all you right, can put that, that in the show notes. You know, it's, it's not a problem. I, uh, I think we're all here for each other. So, but yeah, I mean, I really appreciate it, Jazz. It's been really good. Been really good. No, thank you.
0: It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. We explored a lot of themes, and finally, now we know what people do doing dental <laughs> not public a lot. health. Okay,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then there we are. Now we know, uh, yeah, Sandy. Thank you so much, guys. brother. Cheers. Well, there we have it, guys, this interference class with Sandy. I hope it's opened your eyes and your ears and your heart to so come up with the next steps. How can you actually gain fulfillment if you're not already fulfilled in your workplace? Every dentist deserves fulfillment from their workplace. So why not take a leaf out of Sandy's page and figure out what is your next step? You might not be able to achieve it next month or in a few months, but at least have a plan of change. What is your action plan? What is a massive change that you're going to make in your life to head towards where you want to be in your life and in your career? If you found this episode useful, please do consider leaving a review on wherever you're listening. That could be Spotify, Apple. If you're on the app, head to the community section. Tell me about how you found this episode insightful and we're always chatting on the community as well as a telegram group. So I appreciate you guys so much for listening all the way to the end. As always, I'll catch you same time, same place next week.